This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. What a great guest I've got today. It's Chandra, and she's from Oregon in the United States. Welcome, Chandra. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Um, you've got a uh, story that I'm very familiar with because you've been part of our online support group for the last 12 months, and I've watched your journey and uh, commented and given some guidance here and there with you personally, and it's been absolutely awesome to see what you've achieved. So normally I have the guest tell us the snapshot of what they've achieved, but I'm going to take the honors if that's okay and give you, give, okay, sure. yeah. So you were diagnosed with cyretic arthritis in May of 2017. And as we're recording this today, it is uh, late May, 2018. Uh, the doctor put you straight onto methotrexate and straight onto some non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And then you began our program and then, uh, I will let you fill in all the details, but now you've been off methotrexate, off painkillers for the last six months, and you feel fantastic. Absolutely. Isn't, yeah. isn't, that, isn't that wonderful to hear someone tell you that back to you? Yeah, yeah, I feel, <laughs> it's amazing. It really is. I didn't think it would ever happen. So Awesome. Well, um, tell us, um, how did symptoms begin for you, and were you – diagnosed quite a while after the symptoms began? Was it something that you kind of delayed seeing a rheumatologist or how did it all sort of uh, play out? Yeah, well, my uh, rheumatoid or my psoriatic arthritis symptoms started in December of 2015. I just woke up with a sore neck and I thought, oh, this is strange. I must have slept on it weird and tried to exercise it out or move it out and it just didn't go away. And then not more than a few weeks later, then I started not to be able to move my jaw. My shoulder started hurting. It just was kind of these strange aches and pains I'd never had before. And then it just really started ramping up from there where it wasn't just a small ache or pain. It was intensely painful where um, in my knees, I would go down to bend, bend down to tie my son's shoes. And it was just, I felt like knives were in my, you know, in my knees. And, um, I started not being able to chop vegetables or open up cans because my wrist was so sore. I couldn't put on the seatbelt in my car or take my clothes off at night to get my pajamas on, um, things like that. My husband started having to help me with those things. And it just, just really became bad, um, really painful, like extremely painful. And then eventually it got, went into my foot and I started not being able to walk. And my foot felt like it was deforming and just really odd. I couldn't wear my shoes anymore um, and those sorts of things. So I just um, eventually went to a rheumatologist after months and months of being with my naturopath, trying to figure it out and trying different things based on um, what she was. She thought I had endometriosis at the time. So we were trying to treat that. And that was kind of a side thing, which I can talk about more for, um and hear more about that, but that's kind of how it led into mm. um, the joint pain kind of, we weren't quite sure what was causing the joint pain. And then eventually after about, oh, it was probably a year and a half where the joint pain just wasn't going away, started thinking, okay, there's more to this. And she sent me to the rheumatologist. Right. Okay. Now, yeah, it talks a little bit more about um, the uh, endometriosis sort of possibility and whether or not you made any progress with that. Yeah. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, it's, it's strange really related to the story. Um, I was originally went to the naturopath because I was having such terrible um, cramps and um, bleeding and in, intense fatigue. And she did check my iron and I was extremely anemic. The monthly bleeding just turned it to get worse and worse and worse to the point it was hemorrhaging and it was happening anytime um and un very unpredictably and so she was trying to help me manage that and trying to do so naturally and did so for a number of months and um wasn't seeing any change like she normally does in patients yeah. that are having this type of problem 
so eventually I ended up going on what's called the mini pill, which is just progestin um, without the estrogen. I see. And that was, I think it was around October of 2015. So just a couple months before the neck pain that I mentioned started. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. So then I was on it for a couple months and that was when the jaw, I couldn't open my jaw. Like I couldn't get my toothbrush in at night, those sorts of things that was, mm. uh, couldn't bite down on food. Um, and so it just got, it started getting so bad. She just said, okay, let's take you off of those just in case. Um, at the same time, I was also doing weekly iron infusions because I was so anemic. And so we thought, well, maybe the joint pain's from the iron infusions or is the joint pain from the progestin? And we didn't quite know, but I just said, well, I didn't want to be on the progestin anyway to begin with. And so I was like, let's just get off of it because I didn't want to be on anything. And so I continued with the infusions, um, the iron infusions, because I was so anemic. Um, and it, that didn't seem to provoke the joint pain. So right. once I got filled and it stopped and, but then my hemorrhaging got worse again and, um, my anemia got worse again and the iron infusions weren't even touching it. And my just wow. my iron lower and lower. So, wow, this is a, <laughs> this is a mess. Okay. So you're, you must've been like in very, very, uh, delicate emotional state, confused, worried, all of these things, heavily dependent on the naturopath. Yeah, this is a difficult time when you've got these different treatments going on where one supports the other and then the other supports and you take one off and because you can't be, you know, hemorrhaging, you can't be highly anemic, you can't have the joint pains getting worse. So what a conundrum, right? Yeah, I was like, well, which one do we go for here? And um the anemia was getting bad enough that, you know, we tried natural progesterone and thinking that might help. And um, it kind of did, but then it just made it a little wacky um, all over the place. And so then it ended up not working after a while. We tried that for about six months. So then I went to see an OBGYN. She recommended having surgery and I was completely against that. And so uh, at that point I went on, um, well, I think at the, actually at that point I decided maybe we should head towards surgery because I, I guess it was earlier that I, she had recommended, I had seen her a year before, so she okay. had recommended surgery, uh, yeah. tried all this other stuff. And then at this point I said, okay, mm. maybe we do need to do something else because nothing else was working. Mm-hmm. And the joint pain seemed to be a product of every time I go on a, a birth control. Well, it's really um, interesting that link, isn't it? So we, yeah. we know um, earlier episodes I've done uh, on this podcast, we had Dr. Richard Matthews on here who talked all about the relationship between hormones and rheumatoid arthritis. And he explained about how during pregnancy, we can often have a, uh, a, a reduction in symptoms with rheumatoid as those, uh, those hormones are actually uh, so different than what elevated compared to what they are normally during um, uh, non pregnancy times, normal times, uh, but then they fall precipitously after childbirth. And so then when the hormones uh, then fall back to their normal state, you know, this can really, really play uh, havoc on inflammation and often be a trigger for ladies who are close or I want to say something like pre-rheumatoid or pre-sciatic or pre-inflammatory arthritis, whatever it be. Yeah. And so we know that there's the strong link there. And you know, we did, we did, you know, you know, you were commenting on some other people's comments about their feelings that maybe, you know, maybe birth control does play a role somehow in the uh, inflammatory state. So, okay, well, I'm intrigued as to what, <laughs> what happened next in this story. I was going to say, actually, most of the doctors were saying, no, it didn't have any role and they didn't think it had anything to do with the joint pain and they had no idea why I was getting the joint pain. So it was, it was kind of odd. I felt like I was asking the questions, but no one had the answers. But I did end up um, going on another birth control called orthotricycline. I had been on that when I was younger for the same reason, for being anemic and I was fainting and things like that when I was younger. And so I had been on that for about 10 years before I had children. Um, so they thought, well, you did well on that before. Let's try you just for a couple months till we can get you to the surgery. And so in those three months, then the joint pain came back and that's when my foot ended up being so bad that I could hardly walk. Um, and my wrist got so bad I couldn't write anymore or cook, um, you know, different things like that. 
So I did end up having the surgery. And as soon as I was done with the surgery, I went off the pills. Okay. So I know this is just our opinions, but in your opinion, was there a definite correlation between the birth control and your inflammatory symptoms? Yeah. Every time I went off of it, it would start to taper <laughs> off. And when yeah. I went back on them, even though it was for a couple of months, it just yeah. seemed to flare right back up. Okay. Well, yeah. you know, I think, you know, everyone doesn't need to, if they're listening to this, everyone doesn't need to freak out about their birth control if they're, you know, trying to work on their, you know, inflammatory arthritis. But I think it's worth everyone making a mental note. And uh, it is a piece of this puzzle. And um, I think they can, you know, take action uh, if they want or if they don't want uh, about considering whether or not the birth control is necessary for them in their life or not. Uh, if they're looking for more and more ways to try and minimize their inflammatory arthritis, it could be it could be uh, an approach for you know some people out there to think, well, look, I'm not needing it anymore. Maybe I'll try without it. Yeah, and yeah. it's a difficult decision. I mean, even I had three kids, and it was a hard decision for me to go with the surgery. Yeah, um, because that means you no longer can have children, and so yeah. either have this case of the iron deficiency anemia, this yeah. continual process of the hemorrhaging and having to be controlled somehow, but the surgery really saying that that means I was done with having children. And yeah, so it's a different decision for sure. Very, very well, continue with your story in a sec, but um, I've got a, two more, two more, one comment, which is thank goodness that you were able to be blessed with three kids. That's amazing. You know, we've got our third child um, due in about six weeks and uh oh. We feel, you know, so grateful given my background and everything and my, you know, prognosis of not being able to have children. So, I mean, we're, you know, obviously I can appreciate how much joy that you must have from having three. That's not bad, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, the other comment was the anemia. You know, like um, I don't want to just like uh, just brush over that before we continue. Um, why do you think you're anemic when you were young? As so much so, and why do you think it's always been in place? Because the anemia that we are, we know there's two forms of anemia. There's iron deficiency anemia, and then there's anemia of chronic disease. And iron deficiency anemia is the one that we all think about, which is what you were treated for, which is low iron, right? And the, yeah. uh, the anemia of chronic disease is when the body is in a highly in inflamed state, like many of us with inflammatory arthritis, if our bodies are highly inflamed, um, what the body does is then it withholds iron from the blood so that pathogens that thrive on the same iron that our body uses um, pretty much uh, can't continue. It's like holding back the food supplies from the enemy. It can't continue. Yeah. And so my rheumatologist explained to me that with um, anemia of chronic disease, we treat the inflammation and then the anemia of chronic disease resolves itself consequently. We don't go yeah. out and try and add iron to that situation. In fact, it can be dangerous. So, but look, that that's just a bit of sort of you know generic information. But I'm just wondering, why do you think that I? Why did you think you were so anemic, anemic, so young, and for so long? You know, I think um, just my periods were very heavy, and so the amount of blood I was losing every month apparently was more than my body could keep up with replacing. Right. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure. And, and, and cause when I was younger, the course wasn't to the degree it was as of, you know, recently, but we're, I don't know. I didn't ever have my iron checked when I was young. Uh -huh. They just said, Oh, well you're fainting or you're feeling faint. And, and it happened a few times, you know, that sort of thing here, just go on birth control and didn't really question it. They just figured it was because I was bleeding too much. Okay. So we're not certain. Uh, we, so when I say you're anemic, we're not certain about that. Um, but we were certain that you felt weak that time of the month and everyone didn't like the amount or doctors didn't yep. like how it kept happening. And they just yep. said, look, go on birth control and that'll stop that. Yeah. It wasn't until I saw the naturopath a couple of years ago that she actually tested my iron and said, oh, wow, you absolutely are anemic. And then it continued to drop and drop and drop. And we saw the levels. Okay. She did my blood work every three to six months, checking to see how they were doing, and it just kept going down and down and down. So did the iron infusions, were they were they effective or not? They were. Yeah. For a while, they were. Um, but then um, it, they either stopped being effective or we decided not to continue with them because 
of the question of were they causing more harm than good. If it mm. if I did have an inflammatory arthritis, as you say, was 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 there a anemia of chronic disease going exactly. on here where yeah. giving the iron was actually going to do more damage. And so we stopped at some point. So they would, they would help for a little while, but then until I got the surgery, I it would just continue to, they would last, it would help a little while. And then I would just continue to get so. Right. Um, and right. Wasn't helping and, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for, thanks for uh, helping me go into all that detail because yeah. Uh, I was just curious. I don't like the open loops and not understanding part of it. So thanks for right. that. Now, yeah, and it complicated the whole matter, you know. <laughs> well, it's all it's it all they all interrelate, don't they? Yes. Mm. Yes. Okay. So uh, now you had the surgery. Did you? How did it go? And what happened after that? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the surgery was okay. Um, the Crazy thing was about a week after the surgery, um, things were supposed to get better. I was supposed to not bleed anymore. And I ended up hemorrhaging like crazy more than ever before. Um, had to go into the hospital to get some iron infusions because um, I had lost so much so quickly. Um, I went to the hospital a couple of times to do that. And so they ended up giving me more progesterone to stop the bleeding because it was either that. So it was another hard decision. Do I keep bleeding and see if it stops or do we stop it? And initially I said, no, I won't take any more progesterone. I'm just would rather keep bleeding. And they said, well, then we'll have to do a blood transfusion. Oh my gosh. Mm. And so I said, well, okay, I'll take two. <laughs> Cause they said, if you can take one today and then one in a couple of days. And I said, all right, I'll do that. I'll do it today. And I'll do it in two days. And then I won't take any more. Cause I wasn't willing to go any more into any more joint pain. And I don't think they understand the, how bad, how, how much pain joint pain can actually be. And it, joint pain sounds like, Oh yeah, it hurts a little when mm. I bend my wrist, but it's excruciating amount of pain. It wasn't just, Oh, I can't lift my arm very well. And it hurts a little. It was, it was an intense amount of pain. And so it was really hard for me to decide which, which I'd rather do. But once it came to the question of transfusion, I knew I, I did not want that either. And that has its own complications. So um, anyway, so it, it that did end up stopping the bleeding after about a week. I stopped hemorrhaging and then um, I've been fine ever since. Wow. Okay. As far as the bleeding is concerned. Right. And no more of the progesterone. Correct. Yeah. Right. Okay. So good, good. But then after all of that, you yep. then said, now I'm going to face the next major challenge, which is yes. the joint pains. And that's when you showed up to the rheumatologist. Yeah. Yeah. Take us through that. I've given a little summary at the top, but let's, uh, let's expand on how this process went. And you've got maybe like a, uh, the gold medal of speed. Um, I think we've only got one other, one other uh, person who has been able to start meds and get off them as quickly as you, like 12 months. You, in fact, you were like six months and then. I was on it for seven months. Seven months. Okay. So this is some yeah. kind of record, right? So you, you have some insights that you can definitely share with others that we'd like to, to go over. Um, yeah. Let's walk through this, this chronologically. You went on, how much of methotrexate did you go on? How many painkillers and talk us through starting the program and how things unfolded. Sure. Yeah. So I went to see the rheumatologist, which was a, it was quite a wait to get in, but I ended up getting on the wait list and they called me in sooner than I expected. So I was able to get in there, um, May of 2000. So I had gotten off, my surgery was in um, December. And so I'd been off of the progesterone for mm -hmm. several months. So we knew yep. it was well out of my system. So I saw her in May of 2017. She did put me on 15 milligrams of injectable methotrexate once a week. Mm -hmm. And then um, she wanted me on the NSAID. She gave me naproxen and wanted me to take that. So I did start the naproxen. I wasn't sure I wanted to do the methotrexate. Actually, in, in my heart, I knew I didn't want to do it. Sure. But, you know, she did x-rays and she, you know, they give you this, grave prognosis that it, she had, you know, saw it in my x-rays. She saw I had damage already that my bones have had been already eroding in my wrist and in my foot. And, um, kind of the, if you don't, you will end up in a wheelchair eventually. And I, cause I asked, I said, well, what if I don't, what's, you know, what's the worst that can happen? And 
kind of gave me the reality of what the disease really was and what my prognosis could have been. And so despite not wanting any more medicines, because up until this point, medicines had done no good for me at all. <laughs> they wasn't even causing that, not good. Um, I decided to reluctantly, I did decide to go on them. And and partially because I had, I watched some of your podcasts and had heard methotrexate and you weren't opposed to them. And so I thought, okay, a, a reasonable guy like you who believes in the healing nature of food and natural medicine and the natural way about it can actually even agree that methotrexate can do some good in some reason. So I reluctantly did start on it and on the, um, and said I did for a couple weeks, I did start on those as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let me comment on the methotrexate. So the way that I view medications is, is, um, and I've got a video on this, uh, which is on YouTube and it's called, do I need to take rheumatoid arthritis medication? So, um, people can refer to that, uh, which goes into more detail, but the crux of it is this, if you're doing everything that's possible in a natural perspective, and your symptoms are still slowly getting worse, then you have to take medications because the two non-negotiables of our program are not allowed to get worse and never allowed to have high inflammation levels. Mm -hmm. Now, they go hand in hand, but they are slightly different because on a day-to-day, we measure our inflammation levels and on a month-to-month, we measure whether or not we're getting worse based on our blood tests and just general trends that we can pick up. And so if we're monitoring each day, if I've got high inflammation levels, it's causing more leaky gut. And so, you know, you've got that vicious cycle going. So we're not allowed that. We're not allowed to worsen because that'll result ultimately in uh, joint uh, degradation and so on. So if we're doing everything possible, but one of those is still being broken, then we need to take some kind of drug because we have to suppress the inflammation because it causes more leaky gut. So we can't win. All right. So that's why it's another tool. And we can use the methotrexate as a tool, like when we use crutches for a broken leg, allow some time. And in, in the case of the methotrexate, it might be a year or two, or in your case, just seven months. Um, and then, um, <laughs> and then, and then you hit the milestones and work with the doctor to reduce mm-hmm. those drugs. So Yes, that's that's putting it into my view of the world, which is just my opinion. That's how I. Yeah. That's but but what I see when people do this, like yourself, and that's how I did it, and how many other uh, folks who do this get really good outcomes, and so I like it. So, okay, good, all right. Can I please continue. Yeah. So, uh, well, I actually, um, I w- like I said, I wasn't going to start it, and my husband found you on online on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we had never heard of many people talking about psoriatic arthritis before. And he saw your podcast and he saw it was Nicole and she had also had psoriatic arthritis. He's like, you've got to see this. And they talk about methotrexate and they're talking about ways to heal it. And I said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget. I just couldn't (laughs) think of taking on another thing. Um, Because through the process of the endometriosis and the bleeding and everything. I had tried so many things. I'd gone gluten-free, dairy-free. I had tried kefir and kombucha and the GAP diet and just all sorts of dietary things and natural things and um, (laughs) herbs and supplements and everything. I just, I just, I couldn't take on trying another thing and having it not work. It's just too much work. Yeah. But no, I think you really ought to look, look this up and there's really something to this. And so then when you, you then, like I said, when you did mention methotrexate, I said, all right, all right. I, I, I think what I'll do is I'll do both. I'll do the Patterson program and I'll do methotrexate at the same time. So I started um, probably about two or three weeks after I had been diagnosed. I started both at the same time. Yeah. And I did stop the NSAIDs as soon as I started your program and not realizing what a rookie mistake that was. And then, um, <laughs> And now I, you know, realize why that was a bad idea because I did not get results right away. Um, when I did the water, the, the juice fast, the, mm. which is insanely hard to do. Um, but I did the cucumber juice and yeah. celery juice and did that and felt at the end of the weekend, um, still was in 
just as much pain as I was at the beginning. And and then I got on your, then I decided, well, maybe I do need to be a member of the forum. I was trying not to, cause I didn't want to spend the money, but mm. so then I got on there and I said, Oh, I didn't have any results. And exactly what you said was like, well, it's because you shouldn't have gone off the NSAIDs right away. And Oh, okay. Um, so I got <laughs> on the NSAIDs mm-hmm. and continued with your program. Um, and I actually felt like it took a really long time to see any results. And it was pretty discouraging. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, I remember even six weeks into it, I was writing down every day, I'd write down what I did and how I felt and my pain levels. And they were at, even with the NSAIDs, um, they were at seven or eight yeah. um, on days where just, just so excruciating, it's hard to even think. And um, mm-hmm. I homeschool um, all three of my kids and I all have right. two yeah. jobs, um, part-time jobs that I work as well. And it just, wow. it was just, so hard to do the diet and do the program and not have any change. So I was very discouraged after um, about six to eight weeks, but um, I watched one of your podcasts that said to keep going. And I I guess I would say one of the biggest things that helped, I watched something that you had said. So I I feel like you even just said it off the cuff. I don't even know if it was something you had orchestrated that they're saying, but someone had asked you, well, what do you do if you're tempted and want to eat something? <laughs> like yeah. some, oh, I don't even remember what it was they wanted to eat. And you said, you have to want this more. You have to want your health more and you have to want the healing more. And that just really resonated with me. I just thought, that's it. it for, so from there on, that was kind of, my, became my mantra. I kept in my head. I want this more. I want the healing more and not just the healing, but the life that would come with the healing that I could be there for my kids, that I could not be trying to push through the pain and put on a brave face and be there for my kids, but that I would really be able to be there for my kids and really be there for the work that I do and the people that I serve and you know, different things like that. I wanted that more. And so as I went through it, I, even if I didn't want to go exercise, I would say in my head, I want this more. And even if I didn't want to eat the foods that we're eating and I was tired of quinoa or I really wanted something delicious to eat that other people around me were eating, um, that kept me to stay 100% um, on the Patterson program. And I, I'm i kind of an all or nothing sort of person. So I just went 100%, no cheats, nothing. Um Strictly, even through the holidays, I remember on your on the forums, people would say, oh, well, I did fine, except a little bit on Christmas. I did this or that sort of thing. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I just didn't feel I could even go there with even just a slight bit of it. I didn't want to take the chance. I didn't want to take yeah. the risk of it going wrong. So I didn't make any variations to your program. I stayed on baseline for a really, really long time and yeah. just introduced oats and a couple of fruits, yeah. that was it. I didn't even right. go with the almonds or anything. Yeah, yeah. That's a, you know, that what you're doing is the uh, almost what I would say is a textbook approach, which is stay baseline for a very long period, be on a gut-safe drug to suppress a lot of the symptoms so that you're not working against an impossible inf- inflammation level. You sound like you're exercising regularly, which is crucial. And, uh, yeah, just sticking with it, just going yeah. for it. And uh, bringing the oats in, excellent, because it just adds all different uh, diversity and, and um, quality to your gut bacteria. Cool, cool. Okay, so you mentioned you were six to eight weeks in before anything really significant changed for you. So you must have at some point around then or thereafter uh, felt some improvements. I I did start to feel a little improvement where maybe one day I'd say, oh, you know, it's it's not an eight anymore, and it would it maybe now it's down to a five, and then down to a three. Um, and so at that point, once it was around a three, I ditched the NSAIDs, the naproxen, yeah. just as soon as I could get off of those, I did. And so it was about that about that period of time where mm-hmm. I got off of those. So then the pain did go up a little, mm-hmm. and um, what you said to me in the forum was then up your exercise a little. Yeah. So I did, <laughs> I did. Yeah. And that absolutely 
made a difference. So I was exercising um, two to three times a week. Um, I bumped it up to five to six times a week. Brilliant. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Then it brought those pain levels right back down. Yeah. Um, and so then I was able to function at about, I mean, I started to get down to pain levels around two, maybe this was around August. Um, I was feeling much better, but I did go back into my rheumatologist for a recheck. Um, she looked at my wrist and my foot and was not happy with what she saw. It was still red. She's still really inflamed, even though the pain was being, it was going down and I was starting to be able to move my arms again and, yeah. um, open car doors and things like that again. <laughs> um, you know, she said, no, we need to up your methotrexate. And so, um, we went up to 20 and then a few weeks later, um, well, maybe a few months later, I don't remember for sure, but we eventually went up to 25. Mm-hmm the maximum dose. Cause I was yeah. still, my foot was quite deformed. I was not able to walk well. I couldn't hike or wear any kind of shoes. And so I, we ended up going up to 25. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a lot's happening in this, uh, in these seven months. Um, yes. so you've gotten up to 25 then, uh, fairly quickly, similar kind of story to my own, by the way, I started on 10 milligram of methotrexate, uh, didn't last there very long probably a couple of months up to 15 and then maybe 17.5 to 20, then straight up to 25. And that's when I had my kind of, uh, I will do anything it takes in the whole world rather than continue this path moment. Yeah. 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 Um, and that was the pivotal time when, you know, there was discussion, Melissa and I are in the rheumatologist office and he's talking about adding other medications and stuff. And I just drifted off and thought, you know, this has got to end. This this is going like I'm doing a lot. Try I'm like I'm trying hard, but I'm not doing everything in my human power. There's there's yeah. another depth of of discipline, another depth of determination, and another all yeah. in another level of all in that I can go. Yeah. So okay, all right. So if the methotrexate's going up, even though your symptoms seem to be getting better, at what point did things totally turn around and when you started to get the rheumatologist to work with you and go in the other direction with the drugs? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, one visit she had wanted me to add sulfasilazine to oh, that. Yeah. And Here I, we go. Yeah. Yeah. I said, no, I, no, I can't do it. And then um, the methotrexate was making me, exactly as you say, I just, I, it was making me so sick and I just, was nauseous all the time. And I just, I was feeling like a zombie, like my head, I was just not in my head. I couldn't think clearly. I just felt like, um, every morning it was just a chore to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And I had to, I had to start pulling out of things. I, if I, I couldn't teach, um, if I knew I was going to be vomiting, (laughs) you know, things like that. Yeah, and it yeah. just was really, really affecting my um, what I could do, and it's like I just thought I just cannot do this, and so I just got to the point where because I was my pain level was around a one at this point. Okay, I remember yeah. watching your video on when to get off a of methotrexate. I think that's what it's called. Yep, yep. Over and over and over over a period of weeks, and just like okay, how can I get? When can I get on this? And then I or what can I get off of this? And so. When I got to the point about December, I knew I had a holiday break. It was going to be winter break because one of the things you said was to make sure you can tolerate a pain bump Mm -hmm. and also that I could go back to baseline foods and also increase my exercise. And so I thought, okay, no. Brilliant. And I was like ready to do anything to get off of it. And so I remember messaging you like, how soon can I, if, can I go off of this? Or, and so you recommended trying to go down. And so I emailed my rheumatologist and got her permission. I told her how I was feeling. And so I went down to 20 and then I emailed her maybe only a week later. And I said, okay, it's going well. Can I go off of it? And each week it was still, it was so hard to give myself that injection. I just would tell my husband, I said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And he's like, no, you've got to do it. And so it was, a, it was about six weeks where I, just, where I just had to talk myself up every week of doing it. I would do it on late Friday night. So I had the weekend to recover so I could homeschool on Monday morning. But oh, then it ended yeah. up yeah. just being like, yeah. I was, it just went all week long where I just, I thought it was just the weekend I was going to feel terrible, but I was mm. feeling a terrible all the time. And so I was just like, I'm done. I mm. just, 
decided I just couldn't do it anymore. And since I had done down to the 15 and it was going okay, I went into my rheumatologist and I think she could just see the look in my face where I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually was in tears and I I said, I really like to give this a try. I I will stay strict with my diet and this exercise program that I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And just want to try. Can we give it just a couple months to see? And she said, okay. You know, she tell it. She's like, she said to me, Lou, you look like the type of person that needs to try this. (laughs) Okay. And she, she didn't think necessarily it would work, yeah, but yeah. knew I, I just had to do it. And so I just went off cold turkey after that and never yeah. injected again. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Very, very brave and, and, and cool. Hey, I just want to ask you about the nausea. Um, there's a couple yeah. of different approaches with the folic acid that normally gets taken with the methotrexate. Oh, yeah. And I've never asked this question when the methotrexate is injected. I'm, I'm familiar with the approaches when it's a tablet format. Uh, the two approaches are normally take, uh, you know, one or two milligrams of folic acid every day, except the day that the, that the drug is administered. Mm. And the other approach is to um, take no folic acid uh, except a large dose of maybe five milligram the day before methotrexate, uh, and then it then gets, you know, metabolized by the methotrexate the next day. Uh, which were you doing? Yeah, I was doing every day. Um, I had a folic acid every day, regardless of whether I was injecting. And honestly, I don't remember the dosage. I'd have no, to look that up. It, yeah. It'd be a, probably a milligram or two. Now I tell you what's interesting. Yeah. I'm developing anecdotal evidence to suggest that people who do the folic acid every day tend to have more nausea on the day that they take their tablet dose. And it looks like in your case, the injection. Now, I never got that much nausea straight after taking my tablet dose of methotrexate Mm -hmm. once a week. And I'm wondering, and it's just early stages of developing this thought, that maybe it's the uh, folic acid metabolizing that happens that causes some of or contributes to the nausea and that by taking the approach of having a large dose of folic acid the day before, actually reduces nausea more than taking a small amount every other, every day. I'm, I'm seeing a couple of people, and I, I've asked this question now, and I'm hearing that answer, the daily tablet approach, when people are having the nausea. And so anyway, um, that's mm. just an interesting observation. If yeah. people are listening and they say, hey, I take, I get a lot, of, if you get a lot of nausea and you take a small amount of folic acid every day except the day you do your dose, maybe talk to your rheumatologist about yeah. doing what I did, recommended by him, of course, to all his patients, including me, which is a five milligram folic acid the day before. Um, oh. Now, when my ALT and AST liver markers went up because of methotrexate can do that to the liver, uh, he yeah. then recommended an additional five milligram of folic acid the day after my dose as well. And that got rid of that problem. Okay. Okay. So anyway, whilst I'm talking about this topic, I wanted to add that as well, because I'm sure some people are facing these kind of issues. We know that those issues occur. Okay. So awesome. Now you've come off it. And I remember us uh, liaising about, you know, because there's this anticipation that happens after you come off the drug and you're like, what is going to happen? And with every yeah. passing day, particularly after about two to three weeks, that's when you start like really wondering if every day, if you're going to wake up and the pain's going to start coming back. Right. Yes. How was your experience of this? Oh, sure. Well, it was, it was just before Christmas and oh man, it, it actually was fantastic. I felt like I was coming to life again. And I mean, not to be dramatic, but it was really true. I felt like a part of me had died and that part of me was coming back to life again. That's how extremely good I felt. And um, parts of, I I mean, I guess I just felt like I never thought I would feel again, Mm. where I had um, that part of you that wants to do things, you know, or is inspired to do things. Does that make sense? I feel like it had dulled. Yeah. Well, I either because I was anemic or because I was so sick or all of the above. 
Yeah. That to be in a state where I was now off of drugs and I was not anemic anymore and I wasn't in pain anymore and I could move my body again. It just was, wow, I never thought I could feel like this. But yes, I had some reservations like, all right, how long is this going to last? Like, will it just be initially for the first couple of weeks? But it continued on. And um, I have had a little bit of a pain bump here and there. And when I do, I exercise again. Um, or I increase my exercise, you know, it's easy to, when you start feeling better to drop back down to only two or three times a week. Um, but if it, if it starts feeling, um, painful again, then I know I need to increase that back up. And now since it's been months after a couple of months of feeling good, I started adding additional foods, um, such as, uh, almonds and I did add beans and so I haven't had any negative ramifications of that. Yeah. There have been a couple of times where I've gotten a hold of oils and by accident where uh, my husband made popcorn and usually I'll, ha- I'll get a little bit of air popped popcorn and yeah. he'll make it with a little bit of coconut oil for the kids. Well, one night I accidentally got the one with the coconut oil. Boy, the next day I was doing the laundry and I couldn't move my arms and yeah. I was so painful and it was just I mean it had to be just a tiny bit of oil and so I feel like now I'm at this point where I can really feel it um where my limits are Mm. and so I that's all to say I haven't added very much food back yeah I I had lost 20 pounds on the Pedicine program and now I've um since I've added almonds and beans back I've started gaining a little bit of that back which is fine I didn't mind losing the weight because I well, you know, what's funny was because people were so concerned about me losing weight because mm. they felt like I was just wasting away. Mm. And I, I, which I thought was funny because they were concerned I was losing weight, but they weren't concerned that I might not be able to walk. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> you know, we see yeah. this all the time, all the yeah, time. Like, yeah. Family yeah. members, family you members have. Weight back. Yeah, exactly. You're skinny. Yeah. Therefore you're dying. Right, yes. but they see you and you walk in like oh, I used to be like limping and couldn't pick up things and do anything, and they're like, uh, "Go on meds." Uh, well, my yeah, parent, yeah. my my family aren't so stupid as that, yeah. but like, I mean, we're generalizing. But people are terrified. Family members are terrified of when you lose weight. It is yeah. completely disproportionate with weight loss as actually an issue. But that's, I know that's a, that comes up in your forum a lot and on your um, live calls a lot. And so to say I did lose 20 pounds and I got, I dropped down um, way below what was normal for my body size and weight or should have been weight. And um, now I'm gaining it back now that I've been able to do, introduce a few more things and it's not causing in- extra pain. So you awesome. can always gain it back. Yeah. That, which is also like the, the teachings, which uh, look, you know, we almost like we, we take one for the team a little bit with our weight so that we can get the pain reduction. Absolutely. It, you know, when when the inside of your body's broken and you're trying to fix it, the outside might, you know, to, you know as I said, just take one a little bit while we're fixing the inside. Um, but once yeah. it's fixed, then we can, you know, we've got the rest of our life to eat and, and indulge and gain weight. As long as it doesn't, you know, of course we're talking about um, sensible levels and not, you know, levels where we're losing muscle mass to our connective tissue that makes it hard to, you know, we're talking about just, you know, cautious levels. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So, um, and where are you at now then? So that brings us to today. You've been off the methotrexate now for six months. Uh, tell us like what Chandra's sort of typical pain levels are each day and how you feel. Yeah. Well, now, um, like sitting here, I have zero pain, uh, in my wrist, I still have some things that are hard to do. Um, I can write again, which is awesome. But if I do write for long periods of time, it will hurt or like opening up can openers, um, you know, and certain movements like that, or certain door handles or you know, things like that. They hurt, but it's only when I'm exerting force. Right. And then my foot, those were the two kind of remaining places. So my jaw and my shoulders and everything else is completely zero pain gone um, completely. So now it's just the wrist and just the foot. Yep. And, um, my foot will act up, um, if I've 
walked too far or yeah, now I've sure. started to add different kinds of exercises, kind of pushing myself a little bit and lifting some weights. So that does hurt my wrist sometimes, or I'm doing different exercises with my foot. Um, and that can cause pain. But other than that, just normal life doesn't cause pain, yeah. which is amazing. That is, that's fantastic. And these things are reality. I mean, I go to the gym and I can now, I'm lifting 20 kilos on each arm during bench press. And, um, and then it'll hurt my wrist the next day sometimes, but not in yeah. an inflammation way, in a like, you've got joint damage, Clint. What are you doing to me kind of way? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, give me a break. Like, you're not trying yeah. to, um, you know, from, from the time I was about, from the age that I was old enough that I started to suspect that having muscles was a good thing as a boy, I've always yeah. wanted to have more muscle on my body. But I've never had a body that had much muscle on it. It didn't matter what I ate as a, in my 20s or teenage years. I mean, I used to just, you know, do all the heavy protein powders and drink all a gallon of milk a day trying to put on weight at times, just trying all sorts of various things. And, um, you know, I just don't have a body that gains a lot of muscle. Like I don't have a big frame. So anyway, so my body's just, uh, you know, doesn't like it too if I try and push it too hard. Um, yeah, especially I've got rotated elbows from the damage that was done. And that puts a weird angle on my wrist when I do uh, workouts at the gym. So there's an upper limit to how much I can, I can push things. And so what my point really is that, um, we have to be realistic that the diagnosis is very serious. And if we're able to just, uh, you know, if you just are able to, um, you know, just have to maybe not push as hard on the door when you're opening a door or with your foot, if you just need to, maybe you can't do elliptical, but you can always do Pilates. Big deal. You just do that one. So you don't irritate your foot. These aren't big compromises in life, given the amount of problems uh, that it could be. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really amazing. And I, and I think what was helpful is one thing that you said was, um, to remember it's always like there's a coals the hot coals are still always burning Mm -hmm. and that at any time they can reignite the fire can reignite there's this monster that we're living with and it never really goes away but we can keep it at bay and so i think that's where i just remember like okay they're always it's always there and it's not going to ever go away i just need to learn what it takes to keep it under control and and I think that was just really helpful to realize that we are always going to live with this. It doesn't magically disappear. And yeah. I think even when I was first diagnosed, it's kind of a grieving process I went through of recognizing the severity of the illness that, you know, you hear the word arthritis and a lot of most people think, oh, it's just an old person's disease. Sure. I even have, you know, people ask me that, well, you're too young to have that, aren't yeah. you? And just, but just to realize that there are some things that we will never be able to do or eat or those sorts of things. And a lot of things I had to let go, but I think the, I kind of almost went through a grieving process. I feel like I had all the stages of grief, you know, yep. the anger and, uh, you know, the, the different things, but coming to this acceptance of this is what I have and this is what I need to do to manage it. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to manage it. And it just takes an intense amount of discipline and it is so, so hard. And I don't mean to make it sound like it's, oh yeah, you just work at it and it's going to happen. It was the most intense year of my life to try to really get this under control. And I feel like it will continue to be intense. It doesn't really let up. We don't have the luxury of letting up, but it's so, so worth it. And it has the rewards and um, I, I guess we don't take for granted anymore the simple things. I mean, I went for a, a, a four-mile hike um, a few weeks back, and I was actually kind of afraid to do it because I hadn't walked that far in a long time. And I thought, well, will I even be able to do it? Will I be completely sore and unable to move at the end of the day? And as the person I was, one of the people I was with is, wow, I, I never thought that going for a hike someone would even think about. Mm, and yeah. I I guess that there is beauty that has come out of this where I learned not to take for granted the wonderful things that we can do with our bodies, that we can 
be here and help one another and go for walks and things like that, where I feel like I, I reached such a, such a point of despair um, that now I've come to a point of, I mean, it kind of sounds weird, but to be, almost be thankful for what I've been through to understand that there's more, you know, there's, there's more to life than just getting by that working hard and pouring my life into my children and my faith and my God that I serve and those sorts of things. Like that is what it's worth. And that's when, and I continue to think in my head, what do I want to, what do I want more and so even when it does get hard um, to keep focus on those things, so I feel like uh, it's just been a journey, all these difficult things that it, but it brought me to a better place than when I started. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's so much in that. Um, you know, we have this cross to bear and it's what are we going to do with it? You know, Yeah. because we can't change that. So forget about that. Right. Let's stop yeah. questioning why, why me? That doesn't help. They're bad questions. And, yeah. and, and look, it, I think we need to resolve them at some point and we need to, res- I resolve them very, very um, logically. I said I took antibiotics for five years. I ate like an idiot for, for a whole bunch of years when I was in my 20s. And, um, and I, I had signs that my digestion wasn't good years before leading up to getting um, rheumatoid and I didn't exercise the, those years leading up to that either. So... When you eat a Western diet, just by doing that alone, you're at risk of developing this. So let's acknowledge that we all contributed to our own situation. So let's now accept that and let's do everything we can to live a symptom-free life. And what does that require? It requires this. And there's a lot of these things in this. There's all the things you've talked about now. Um, And we have to do them all. And the yeah. degree to which we adhere to those things will be proportional to the quality of our life and the, re- and the, yeah. and the uh, reduction of our pain levels. And there is beauty somehow in living a disciplined life. There is. Yeah, you know, there is. And it is, it's harder to pinpoint than the problems, right? The problems are easy to pinpoint. Yeah. But the, the benefits are always equal and opposite Life is balanced. There is something in our lives that that is a benefit when we have a uh, a perceived negative, and it's only up to us to find what those benefits are. So whether it be a deepened level of gratitude that you know you're talking about, um, yeah. whether it be a more of a an appreciation of the little things, and although we might not value these as much as being able to. Um, eat whatever we want and feel that we're invincible and party with our friends, they, maybe from a universal point of view, have a high degree of importance, yeah? Mm -hmm. And so there is balance in all this. Um, There's balance in being able to help others as you uh, are now doing and uh, there's balance to being able to not just on this platform but to inspire your children you know, you inspire people when you apply heavy discipline like this. People, although they think you might be crazy, deep down, yeah. there's an incredible amount of respect. They're like, I don't think I could ever do that. I don't know how she does that. And there is a, an admiration, a respect, and, you know, things that we might not at first see, but it could be strengthening the relationship with your husband who sees you in a whole new light and says, if she can do that, she's my princess, you know, and the self-respect for yourself. I mean, once you've overcome something like this, once you've been able to see what's necessary and to be able to follow it through and to do it, you know you can do anything. Everything (sighs) in life is now easy compared to this. Homeschooling your three kids, bringing them up to be fantastic adults, teenagers and in adults, and, and everything that you might face in life becomes just surmountable compared to what you've been through and you develop this invincibility against other problems and all of this is highly valuable stuff that some people will go through in life and never experience and so although the pain we wish we would never experience and for those many people who are still in the pain um 
you know, still struggling with. But yeah. the there there is no alternative that I believe other than going through the steps and working on it daily. There is no alternative that is a better approach. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's nothing special about me. Uh, anyone can do it. It's just I feel like when people say, oh, I could never do that or, you know, people say that about coffee. Oh, I could never get up <laughs> coffee like you did. And like, well, you know what? I didn't want to either. But if the pain is deep enough and worse enough, you will. Yeah. If it's bad enough, you will, and you can. And it, I think it's just the commitment. And for me, I have you know faith in Jesus. That I feel like mm. I, there were some days I couldn't get out of bed, and I said, mm. you know, I felt, felt like there was something that I was called to that day. And yep. if I was going to get out of bed, He had to help me. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just there's everyone has purpose, and everyone has a calling. And mm-hmm. I feel like we need to overcome the difficulties in order to achieve those. And for me, this is it. And I, but I, nothing special about me except that I have a faith that got me through it and amount of discipline that only through his um, strength was I able to do it. Mm-hmm. But, um, anyone else can do it as well. Mm-hmm. I share that faith with you too. Many, you know, number of times I prayed and uh, asked for help is countless. Um yeah. And I think yeah. that it, um, the power of prayer and uh, asking for divine intervention through God is, uh, you know, for me, is very powerful as well. So we share a lot of lot of uh, parallels in our stories, and um, it's been great to have a chat with you today. And thanks for being so honest and and um, talking about you know a lot of nice things other than just the physical side. It's always because. You know we're we're such emotional creatures, and uh, it's such an emotionally draining and challenging condition that it uh, it's good to for us to talk about that side of things. And thank you. So I'm going to let you go now and and enjoy the rest of your what must be evening. Yes. And uh, and I look forward to chatting with you more online and and keeping you well. Well, if I may say, thank you so much for this program. Thank you for just having the insight that you have, but also that you've been willing to share it. And because I know there's an immense amount of work you put into it and it's not just the program you've developed, but the words that you use to encourage have meant so much. I feel like at times I would get on your monthly support calls and that is the words that you spoke, not about what supplements I should or should not take or whatever, but it was your encouragement that to keep going, the acknowledgement of how hard it was. I needed someone to tell me and to say, yes, this is mm. hard. Mm. That meant so much because I felt like um, there's other people who kind of trivialize it or mm. minimize it and and don't mean to, but they do. And so to just hear from someone, yes, it's hard, but yes, you can do it has been so helpful. So thank you. It's meant the world to me and it's made all the difference. So I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. You're very welcome. And uh, uh, I appreciate the feedback as well. I do enjoy yeah. those monthly calls. Um, and if anyone is listening and wondering what you're talking about, um, as part of our support group, uh, we do m- the monthly calls and uh, sometimes I host them myself and I just field questions one after another. You don't have to appear on video, but you can if you want and talk with me one-on-one. It's all private just for our support group. Uh, you can ask questions uh, on the chat bar and I'll answer questions in detail um, and help people in that format. And that's, of course, on top of the uh, day daily interaction that I have with other members uh, as part of the standard way that our support platform works. So we open once a month so I can handle the uh, influx. I don't like want everyone joining all the time. I just want to be able to take people once a month. Um, and uh, I'd love to uh, invite everyone listening to this to, to come join if they'd like some help from myself and talk to Chandra. And more, almost all the other guests that we've had on our podcast are all members of our support group and we all help each other. And it's a wonderful platform. So uh, thank you so much. And uh, I was going to say sometimes on those calls, we have doctors too. We've had Dr. Clapper. Our next doctor who's appearing is Dr. Uh, Dr. Goldberg um, from the Goldberg Clinic. He's going to be our next guest uh, doctor who uh, is coming in to, to offer some help and support on the monthly call. Okay. 
Thanks so much, Chandra. Really appreciate you uh, sharing today and uh, we will chat online. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Patterson Program. For more information, visit pattersonprogram.com.